Welcome to Kitchen Table Alchemy. I'm Jacqueline Freeman. This is Kristen Center, who's our guest today, and Sarah Korn. So um, we're doing something totally different and starting <laughs> recording a little later than we wanted to because we were trying to figure out uh, Facebook Live. But um, we've got Kristen here today, and we're super excited about it. She's going to be playing a house concert here tomorrow. Um, so there is a live, there is a, a public event that you can sign on to and find out more about. And um, she's just a really awesome, interesting person. So, um, so, so I wanted to, I thought it was like, hey, this morning when, I mean, I thought about it late last night, um, but this she morning. She thinks it like, about me a lot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we spent like four hours yesterday, like yeah. just hanging out and talking and talking. I'm going to scoot back a little bit so I can see. Um, hanging out and talking about life and um, living that creative life and tapping into our deepest potential and dealing with jerk balls that try to put us down and put us in our place, all that kind of stuff. So so it's the kind of stuff that we talk about a lot here on Kitchen Table Alchemy. And um, and she might tickle the keys a little bit, too, which is why we're around the piano today. So, um, yeah. So uh, what, do we, what are we going to start off with? Do you want to... Well, let's talk about... I'm excited to hear about your trip to, um, to Europe. And yeah. So, okay. So, so um, I just came back from my magical mystery tour, right? And um, it was really funny on the on the flight from from New York uh, back here to Phoenix. Uh, when did I come in? Tuesday. I was actually sitting across the aisle from a guy that I've met before, right? So I was like, do you know Kim, Kim and, and um, Kim and Jim and Carolina? I can't talk today. Um, and he's like, yeah, I do. So we started talking, and then he was like, so did you guys do anything? They're the rogue Unitarians that I hang out with sometimes. <laughs> and so he was like, did you guys do anything special for Solstice? And I was like, well, I was at Stonehenge for Solstice, so nice. I did, like, the special thing uh-huh. for Solstice. Um, and it was a strawberry moon. So what is that? it's a full moon, and it tends to be when the strawberries are um, harvested. Oh, okay. And because <laughs> it's lower in the sky in, in Europe, anyway, like um, it'll be a little lower in the sky, and because of the humidity in the air, it does tend to have this kind of pinkish glow to it. Oh, really? So, so there's a couple of different facets of calling it the strawberry moon, yeah, right? right? But right. Um, but it was a full moon, and that is the first time that that's happened in like. Uh, it's been 70 years, I think, since oh it happened gosh. the last time. So it's like and a it, blue moon that's really And it rare. will not happen, that the, that the full moon lands on solstice will yeah. not happen mm-hmm. again until like 2096 oh, or something. So it was like cool. literally once in a lifetime, like if my son lives to be like 106, then he might be able to see it. Do you know what right, I'm saying? Yeah. But like, so, and it was just this sort of series of almost imperceptible miracles that got me there in the first place, right? Because that had not been my intention. I didn't, I just, a friend was going on holiday that lives in the Netherlands and had asked me if I wanted to house it like back in January, Mm. right? And so it's like, hmm, let me think about that. I could use like a writing sabbatical and get some stuff done. Actually use the writing time to work with the transcripts of Kitchen Table Alchemy. So hoping to get some book products out around that. But, um, uh, so that's, I was like, you know, that could be kind of cool, right? Like, get away instead of, like, get sucked into the Facebook black hole or whatever. Like, oh, time to play with kitties. Oh, wow, I really need to, like, clean my refrigerator right now. You know, like, all the stuff that happens um, when you're standing on the edge of that creative abyss, right? So so I didn't tell her until, like, March that I was going to do it. And then um, I realized, like, two weeks before I left that, like, oh... 
it's going to be solstice while I'm over there. I should, like, figure out what happens in Holland for solstice. And then a friend of mine that I used to teach with um, was like, well, you know, if you can get over there, Stonehenge will be amazing on solstice. Oh, of course. Stonehenge will be amazing. How did I not even think of that? Like, like, I know, right? Like, bad celebrant. Bad celebrant. Bad celebrant. (laughs) So, like, I was, like, blown away that it hadn't even occurred to me, right? So, she tells me this, and then I go online, get, like, the last hotel room in Amesbury, which is, like, two miles away from the Stones, right? So, um... So, so I got to go. It was amazing. And, like, so they stay up all night long on um, Solstice Eve to greet the sunrise the next morning. And um, and there were all these amazing, magical things. And I probably should just do my own, like, all by myself so I can ramble for an hour about all the stuff that happened. But um, but one thing that was really... And it was, it was amazing. Like... Um, and talk about, and that's one of the things I'd like to talk about today, too, and at least one of the segments or all of them, um, is this, our relationship with the land, right? And the way that the land remembers things that we have forgotten and, um, and the ways that we connect to certain pieces of land and the ways that we have a hard time connecting to the land and like how that impacts how we, how we move and live in our lives, right? Because mm-hmm. that was one of the things that really struck me like I got back to Holland and um and realized that when I was doing my like rooting and grounding that I always do to start out my meditation right um that the roots went in really really deep right like I could feel how like pliable and giving the soil was underneath me and like the taproot was really really large and my dreams were like hyper real and technicolor do you know what I mean it was really 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 interesting whereas when I was in um, Moscow I spent like you know 10 hours in the airport so it wasn't as exciting as it sounds but I did bring back some very good vodka um, <laughs> the only thing to do in the airport right exactly so um, but when Poor I tried to root and I they have a hotel in the airport like behind customs right mm. so so yeah it was awesome every airport needs to do this it was amazing yeah. so I was actually in a hotel room where I'm not hearing the announcements where I do have some privacy so I you know did my meditation there too and noticed that I had a really hard time rooting like my my roots were like octopus legs like they wanted to go anywhere but in the soil Mm -hmm. and what I was able to tap into it's like this rush of grief and pain came through me right like a lot of things have happened in Russia of course Mm -hmm. but apparently an airport God. Right, like talk about the crossroads, but yeah. um, uh, but so apparently, whatever happened to my ancestors in the Russia in Russia, like they're like, no, don't, <laughs> you don't want to know, you don't want to know, you know. I'm like, no, but I do, but I do. So, um, so I, but I had a really hard time there, but like in Holland and England, both, like the the connection to the land was almost instantaneous, and specifically in that southwest version of England, right? Because I spent nine months in Brighton, um, and. Nine, nine months. Oh, oh, ages ago. Ages ago. Okay, ages I was like, ago. not this month. Yeah, so I lived. Yeah, she's so still over there. <laughs> right? I've been working on Lucy's like remote. my like okay. yeah, my astral. I'm getting pretty good at it. And so, 
<laughs> so, yeah, so, but I felt like a much deeper, like being on Glastonbury Hill, all kinds of amazing, magical, wondrous things happened on Glastonbury Hill. And, um, is that where Stonehenge is? No, that's further east. Okay. And, um, Glastonbury is the rumored spot of Avalon, right? Which oh, is the okay. Isle of Avalon from the, the Arthurian legends. And, um, that was really phenomenal. Like I, I found my my original like shaman portal. Right, is this old tree, and I found the space where it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting there meditating, and I'm like, oh my god, my tree used to be here. Right, like so. <laughs> um, so th- that was it, really intense. But um, Stonehenge, like the minute on Saturday when we came in, the minute we crested the hill, I was mid story, mid sentence, and I saw the stones, and like immediately just started bawling, right? Like, oh my god! You know, and tears like streaming like crazy. So Brenda was like, okay, obviously we're gonna do the tourist thing today. Go ahead and go in. You can't wait until Monday to see these babies, right? So, um, and from being at the Longman Grottoes in China, um, I've had some experience with being at a sacred site that is also a UNESCO world site. And, you know, I go in with my Oh, I'm going to have this magical, sacred, beautiful connection and communion with the land and my ancestors. And then, you know, there's the selfie sticks and the people <laughs> doing the things, yeah, you yeah. know. So, <laughs> so, like, in the Longman Grottoes, I had a really be- and I wrote, I did write a blog piece about that a while ago, but I, I learned, like, uh, the Buddhists were like, well, you can focus on what you came for. Yeah, yeah. Or you can focus on these people that are upsetting you. Like, it's your choice. Right? It's hard when you're, like, you know, photobombing everybody's selfie, though. Right. <laughs> I don't worry Just about Just by, it. like, being calm. And yeah. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, okay you're like, damn, that. I don't like that side of my face. Get out of here. I know. No, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with photobombing them or being in their shots or whatever because they're in my sanctuary. So there you go. There you go. So- <laughs> I mean, it's irritating for you still because it's yeah. like you got all these pictures of yourself and little cameos. You're like oh, trying to meditate, like the Sasquatch movie. Yeah, there's a chick. There's the same chick. <laughs> so I learned like it's up to me to choose my experience, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what my that's what my time at the Longman Grotto has taught me, and and so I got to use that again at the Stones because. Because those people are not there for what I'm there for. Right. They're there to get a selfie stick and cross it off their list and, you know what I mean? Like, okay, well, then they can do what they're there to do and I'll do what I'm here to do. And my friend was like, oh, I'm just so disappointed because I know this is so spiritual for you. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, don't... I'm fine. Like, they're not going to... It's a challenge. They're not going to... Yeah, they're not going to mess my group up. They weren't being that obnoxious. But, um... But at the soul beating you with a selfie stick, <laughs> or a saxophone, <laughs> as the case there may be. Go. So, um, so the night of the um, of the celebration. Um, so I walked over. They were allowing pedestrian traffic, which they don't usually. There's like this highway mm-hmm. you have to cross or whatever. Um, so I walked over. It'd been raining all day long, mm-hmm. and it cleared up at about five fifteen. Right, so in like the evening. solstice miracle, yeah, and um, so it cleared up about five fifteen. So walked over there. I wanted to be there before the sun went down, and um, came up. And uh, as I was walking, and you had to kind of walk around and down and come back to go through security or whatever. Um, and they obviously did a very poor job of making sure that nobody had alcohol because <laughs> oh, I know there were a lot of like really silly drunk kids, but. Um, 
<laughs> so, uh, selfie stick. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Like, so, but you should do you an know, alcohol selfie stick. Uh, the, there you go. You can like, do like, oh <laughs> my god, it could be like a two in one for dipshits in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> the two in one for dipshits in the desert. <laughs> I'm just thinking that because it's the same thing at White Sands, too. They're like, no alcohol beyond this point because people die here all the time, like, you yeah. know, from uh-huh. this still. And yeah, and then they still you do have to it. Bring it in. No, totally. So <laughs> it's um, part of the experience. <laughs> so, so we we go in and like there's this group of people that are dressed in red. Um, as I as I kind of walked in and I found a place to sit, and then um, at a certain point they started doing a processional, right? So they're they're singing. Um, remember, remember, we're walking on sacred ground, right? So doing it in this chant. And I pulled in behind the processional, and I thought they were going to do a full circle around the inside of the stones, right? You have this, like, big circle on the outside, and then you've got kind of a horseshoe on the inside. And so I thought they were going to do a full circle to, like, create the ceremonial space mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and then do something in the middle or whatever. But they didn't. They just walked straight in like this and went to the... Uh, basically the altar stone in the middle. So the leader stood up on the altar stone and was leading all of us in these rounds and chants. And it was just magical. And chanting is something that is just my thing, right? So if there's any chant leaders out there and you would like to have a regular gathering, let's talk. Because (laughs) I need to start doing that here at Melrose Group as well. But um, uh, so we're, we're doing these chants and they were just beautiful. And then... They got down, and another lady stood up and started doing a chant, and hers was, um, every place on the earth is sacred to my people, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just beautiful. So, like, and the drums are going, right? And um, and so the drums are going, and we're all chanting. It's just getting to that place where people's heads are starting to go back and, like, really fall into the music and mm-hmm. find the different harmonies and stuff. And then this guy comes, like crashing through like elbowing and pushing and he's playing his saxophone right right like what's the first like tipping point right so he's playing his saxophone and he's not playing to the melody of the chant and he's not playing to the rhythm of the drums right and he comes crashing in on this and so we had just been seeing these songs about Lay your weapons down, shakti shakti. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all this, like the time has come to do a new way, you know. And so I'm like, okay, so now we're gonna practice, you know. Like, all right, here we go, you know. Lay your weapons down, doing it a new way. Yeah. And so, um, so this guy comes up and is he's just crashing it. And so, um, there were a couple of people that just like. You know, everyone around actually was doing this. And then a few people just walked off because they're like, whatever, screw this guy. And then, um, so then I realized, uh, so then the woman that one of the, the old, there was an older lady and then a younger woman had stood up on the altar stone. So the older woman like turns to him and leans down and is like giving him this really intense push of love, right? To try to like get him to kind of soften and join the group, right? Because this was not about someone singing their own song. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it I was interrupting He was crashing right. the groove. He really, right. really was. And so um so this is the role of the sex crash the groove. Like <laughs> make it your own. <laughs> Dominate with a noise. Yeah. Right. So, 
I smell an album title. And so, so, so she's like trying to get this love. He's not, he's not, he's not going in. right? Right. So then, um, I realized, okay, like I'm, so I don't want to grow him and I see that he likes the attention. So I'm just, I'm just going to focus on the drums, right? right? Maybe if I focus on the drums, then, and I, and I kept chanting, like a lot of the people dropped off with the chanting, right? Mm-hmm. But I kept chanting, um, hoping that people would pick it back up again. So, and focused on the drums. So by this time, everyone has stopped chanting and focusing on the drums and then the drums start to swell, Right, so the drums start swelling, and then people start um, ululating. Right, so it's like a like that. Right, so so we start ululating and like trying to drown the guy out, and he just plays louder. Right, he's like not to be swayed, and so (laughs) then there's this like I don't know this kid. He's like twenty, twenty one, something. This guy like um, is like play to the earth, play to the earth. Right, he starts getting really angry, and of course the guy is not. Paying, you know, he just keeps doing his thing that doesn't match the melody we had and isn't going in, in rhythm with the drums. And um, so it gets to the point where this young guy is now like facing the sax guy, like staring him down, right? And then occasionally be like, to the earth, to the earth. <laughs> and so I saw that like this, this guy who had been chanting with us is now moved away and cut off from the rest of the group. Like, the only person he can see is the saxophone dude, right? Yeah. And and the saxophone... Like, so he's isolated now and, lose, like, pouring his energy into the saxophone. Saxophone dude doesn't care. He just keeps playing. Right. Right? So then I... There's a movement, right, where you, you like, take energy and kind of gather it and throw it to the ground and stomp to, like, ground uh-huh. it and take it down. Right. I did that. <laughs> Nothing. And then... Um, then the young woman on the altar stone, like, pulled him up. Yeah. Right? And several people behind were like, no, 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 you know? Yeah. And I was like, Don't you know what? Maybe if we give him his limelight, he'll go away. Right. right? Like, maybe he just, like, let him blow until he's tired and then he'll go away. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, and then we can get back to doing what we were doing. Right? right. So, so she pulls him up and he's still just so discordant with what's going on. Right. right. Um, that the drums now lose one another. Mm-hmm. So the drums are just noise instead mm. of this, like, tumbling sort of horses right. galloping thing that had been happening, right? So, um, and so at this point, I was like, you know what? Why don't they all just play to what he's playing? Oh, that would be an interesting one. <sighs> it would kind of defeat oh, his, what gosh. he was trying to do, right? If he's trying to <laughs> catch it. So, like, so at <laughs> that point... would just change as soon as you started oh, adapting, maybe. right? Probably. That's, like, I think the so. nature of the... I think that's the nature of this beast, mm-hmm. right? So, so at that point, I was like, okay, you know what? Like... I've, I've, I've walked over, literally over hill, hill and dale right. <laughs> to get here. So I've been standing for a while. It, it's just, this is my sign that it's time to rest, right? Okay. Like, I've got all night long to sing chants and, and dance. So um, so I went ahead and... sit down and wait it out, basically. Right. Yeah. So I went and found um, a style um, and sat with my back. Um, to the stone, and that's where I ended up staying the rest of the night. But, um, but Which is this, what they call the individual stones, right? Right. Is yeah. Stuff, so right? the <clears throat> the outside, there's like the ones that are three that you watch the sunrise through, and mm-hmm. then 
there's a set of two and then there's one by itself and that's the one where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of camped out there and like ended up hanging out with the people that were already sitting there. Right. <laughs> so, um, so it was, and we we're like huddled together for warmth as a night went oh, on or whatever, right. but it was really interesting because the rest of the night apparently the inner circle was like a club. Like that guy totally changed the energy. Right. Um, and turned it into this like nightclub. Right, so he it, stayed there the whole night. Well, he didn't stay there the whole night, but the energy had fully shifted to uh, his to, to that sort of like masculine, not a, not connected. I'm just here to the party drunk selfie stick club, the, right? Mm-hmm. The drunk selfie. <laughs> so, like, because at one point, right, younger? the people that were with me, um, like, or they're like, okay, we're gonna go try, we're, we're gonna go try the inside again. And they came back really soon. They were like, man, the vibe is so different. Oh, it really feels yeah. like a nightclub in there. And I was like, okay, well, there you go. So I was like, okay, well, I'm glad I got my, like, chance to chant for at least a little while or whatever. But And and so I just, like, spent the rest of the night, like, if I Because there were even people that had, like, little, little like, laser things that made it look like you were oh, seeing, gosh, like, lasers right. on the, you know. Yeah. So, the neon glow in the dark. Did they sell necklaces, though? Oh, they totally sold necklaces. Oh, yeah, man. and there were people that had, like, broken them open and put them on their shirts and stuff like that, oh, which is kind of cool. Right. But no, like, oh, yeah, like, not like flashlight all, things yeah. with, like, oh, yeah. patterns, right? So you're mm-hmm. seeing, like, these green, like, whatevers, like, all over the... So, so it really did... It looked like a nightclub, too. So, but, um, so I... And I was like, you know... On a full moon, too. Traditionally... Like, look at how cool just the moon is. I know. Oh, right? Why wouldn't you just freaking embrace it? Well, that? I think that, like, traditionally, Solstice has always been just a crazy party, right? Like, it's really about this blending of masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. And in societies where there's a lot of, um, like, social control and, and things like... No, she's not supposed to be up there, a little brat. You know what um, <laughs> so, The cat is uh, standing on the desk over here. So, um... <laughs> Like so, in these societies, so right? Like, like yeah, like, I yeah, know you're what? recording a podcast, <laughs> and, there's and you're not you going to come it. down and get me. <laughs> I'm going to use this opportunity to exploit everything. Why her name is Monkey? <laughs> and so, um, but like you know, traditionally solstice celebrations, like you have these these societies that are pretty well regimented, and there are these places, and you have to know your place, and you do your thing, and you stay in your role. And so, solstice was kind of like carnival in a lot of ways, right? So in that way, they're not really breaking. I mean, we like to like romanticize and go, oh, it's such a pity. It should be this like beautiful. But like, uh, if we're honest, it was probably not unlike this back in the day. Do you know what I mean? And I think probably back in the day, it was the inner circle was probably with the priests and the kids would have been reveling on the outside, yeah. and right? Because you want to get to where the shadows are so you can do things your parents can't see you do. Right. <laughs> that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. It's just like we have new technology, <laughs> more colors. Exactly. You're right. That's a yeah, nice way so, to like paint it. So I was like, you know, I mean, it's kind of flipped, but yeah. it's not unlike what would have happened here originally, I think. so. Mm-hmm. But just leaning against that style and feeling the drums coming up through my bones and... Like the ram horn blow. Oh my, every single girl should have someone play a ram horn because, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was amazing. And so, <laughs> it was that it's on my match.com profile. I'm like, I'm looking for someone who plays a mighty ram horn. Like, I'm like, hey, you could start with French horn, but no, I need no. a ram horn. I need someone who plays a mighty ram horn. Yeah. Like, they have your best matches and they come up with people that only play like. Like I play the cornet and you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't know any of these things. Which one swipes versus whatever? The, that's like Tinder, right? Or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh. <that's> so funny. <laughs> Oh, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So, and I, like, one of the, and, you know, the people that were next to me were quite young. So she's like, I'm just so sad. I thought it would be really spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it's going to be whatever you make it. So, like, close your eyes and just listen to the drums. Yeah, right. Just yeah. listen to the drums and, like, what does it feel like in your body? And what does it feel mm-hmm. like to be, like, against this rock? Like, this yeah. is amazing that we are sitting against this rock right now. You I know? had to do that same thing when I visited Stonehenge about 10, 11 years ago. And I was fortunate that we found out that you can, um, at least back then, you could reserve, like, there's, like, they'll let a small people who have reservations um go in like before they open it to the public early in the morning yeah and so we did that and so it's really great because there's not all the people with the selfie sticks and the touristy it's really people who are there to like commune with the stones and if anything i felt a little awkward because i was with people who were more like you (laughs) right who like had some experience with that sort of thing and and back then i was not Mm. spiritually connected at all so i was just like there are a bunch of rocks on a hill, right? You know, at first I was like, okay, cool. Um, how long? We're going to stay here for half an hour? Really? Like, what? It's like, I kind of should have a drink right now. But, but, <laughs> my, friend, my friend Brenda talks about that because she yeah. lived not far from there and we'd get drugged there every time someone came in town. Yeah. And she'd be like, <sighs> where are we going to the sweet shop? Yeah. Yeah. So I found that I did just, I was like, okay, well, um, after a while, I just sort of started to feel the stillness of it. Yeah. And, and like you said, just that thing of like imagining, wow, like hundreds, thousands of years ago, people were here doing rituals and, and yeah. just sort of, it took me a while to, uh, yeah. uh, to connect with, with it, but I did eventually kind of start to feel the, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that this morning, actually, cause I was like listening to some of the women that worked in the pub in Amesbury that was mm. under the hotel where I, was, where, where I was staying. And she was like, you know, there's nothing to see. I don't know what everybody thinks the big <laughs> deal is. And I was like, I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, there's really not much to see, there but there's a lot to feel. There you go. And it's really yeah, in it's your head. It, I think it's a great example of one of those things where, you know, spirituality and that stuff is really in your head. Because if you just or look at what it is. For everything, right? Spirituality. It's really just a bunch of rocks. Uh, old, worn down rocks right. on the top of a fairly... Sh- not that tall of a hill. Even. Unless very- you're climbing the SOB, <laughs> and then you feel how much volume is in right. that baby. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so it is kind of like you said, what you make of it. Yeah, it's, no, really, it's in your head. And it's one of those spaces. To- there's not much to see, but there's a lot to feel. And yeah. so if you're if you're open to connecting to what's there, then you can have this really rich, amazing experience. But if it's like, well. What, you know, giving a show, there's there's not much of a right. show. Rock, dance for me, Rock. Dance for me. <laughs> what time of day? is? Did you go during Come the day? Down. It was in the morning. It was early morning, was like 7 a.m. And you got like there six, when? 7 a.m., something like that. So when we went, uh, the first day we got there in the afternoon, so we're there from like 1 to 4 or whatever, and then yeah. uh, for solstice, I got there at about 8 in the evening. before mm-hmm. the sun, So the sun went down at 9.30. So I got there about eight in the evening and left at six the next morning, I think. Yeah. So, um, so saw it at night 
Yeah, it was pretty. It but was did you feel different in the morning? When the, what time did the sun I come up? I felt wrung out in the morning. Yeah. Um, we, we like you pulled an all nighter. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I pulled an all nighter. Yeah, totally. And so, as a forty-five-year-old pulling an all nighter, right. we all know yeah. what that feels like. So, um, but I did. Like we got to see the sunrise as well, which is really amazing. Because yeah, yeah. nine times out of ten, you know, you stay there all night, and then it's cloud cover, so yeah. you don't see a sunrise, and you're like, "Are we going to see anything? Are we going to see anything? Are we going to see anything?" Give me a show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me the show. But um, nature gave you a show. It's, oh, it's nice. beautiful. It was really phenomenal. But um, but the 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 idea about like I would love for us to talk a little bit more about. Um, that predator energy, right? This guy that came crashing in with his sa- his saxophone, and I had put that post up in um, in the group with my sacred arts teacher, and um, and so she came back right. Away. And there were pe- it was interesting because I put it up in two places, and in both places there were people that responded with, "Well, maybe they were just singing their own song, right?" Yeah. And I'm like, "No, yeah, I was there, and that's no, 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 no. Like, I don't have a problem with ugly duckling songs, right? I have no problem yeah. with someone that's slightly offbeat or can't carry a." tune in a bucket but they are so joyful right like mm-hmm. and and i think like there's that joy of expression and then there's getting the body to coordinate with the joy of expression right yeah. and when you can get those two things <laughs> to coordinate and dance well together that's when you have an artist mm-hmm. right so um so it so it wasn't someone singing their own song because that comes from a place of joy if if uncoordination, right? Yeah. This was not that. He knew exactly what he was playing, and he had no desire to be involved, right? He he wanted. He was he, there to crash. He was there party. to crash. Yeah. And so, um, so my teacher, uh, Bree Saucy, came in and was like, "No, this. I don't know if this guy was a predator, but this was certainly a predatory act, right?" And so she talked quite a bit, and it was really nice to see like the importance of establishing ceremonial space, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday with performances and things like this. Yeah. Like, the importance of establishing ceremonial space, and she was like, if if you had established that space, right? So, it, it, if, if, the, if the choir had walked a full circle before they came back around, right, with mm-hmm. that intention of establishing space, that guy wouldn't have come in that way. Right, she's like, or at least wouldn't have been able to disrupt people. Into the right, it wouldn't have. Right. It w- I mean, he he would have been involved in the thing, but he wouldn't have crashed it the way that he did. Do you right. see what I'm saying? So, um, so it that, wouldn't have affected the young man. He wouldn't have pulled people out of there. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, and that that <clears throat> physically bringing off the space, and she was talking too about. Um, the importance of cleansing and shielding to be able to protect ourselves from from predators, right? And we all we all have the predator, like that's part of our psyche. So, mm. um, especially living living a creative life and trying to like be that full authentic self. Anytime we're on the edge of that precipice, right? There's that fear that that starts this. Who do you think you are? And Right. Like uh, when I was writing my speech for the celebrant thing, like I spent all day writing the speech. And when I shut my computer, this voice came up and said, that's complete crap. It's total tripe. It's so like, who do you think you are to stand up in front of all these celebrants and give this this speech that everyone's heard? There's nothing new in there. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you you doing? And And my response was, you know what? I stopped and recorded this for time twice 
I was editing all day long. Since you did not say a word all day, I'm going to assume that you have nothing fruitful to offer, and I'm not listening to you. I'm going to go take my bath now, right? So, um, so that was the way that I dealt with that predatory energy, yeah. right? Like, and the difference between the predatory energy. So we've spent quite a bit of time on this in my sacred arts class this week, actually, because it was something that a lot of people are dealing with. And one of the things that I really loved that Brie talked about was that predators are attracted to the wounded, the sacred, and the beautiful. Mm. Right? So, and of course, as we're moving through life and healing our wounds, then we become more sacred, more powerful in, in our sa- sa- sacredness, right? And and more beautiful, yeah. right? Like anytime we're able to transform those wounds, then we're increasing our beauty. So, so if you're alive with a capital A, you're gonna have to deal with. You're gonna be dealing with predators, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we just know this is what they're attracted to, and things that are are wounded, sacred, and beautiful are are things that are alive, right? So, yeah. so um, yeah. So so we ended up spending a lot of time talking about this and um, in class, and and I wanted to kind of pop it out a little bit. We touched on this yesterday with uh some of the places that you've come in to perform Mm -hmm. and um, yeah you need a smudge stick for it like (laughs) like, it's not like one horseshoe or like it's like a a, like bring in the full chanters (laughs) surround the entire venue and then you're like ready to play yeah but you've had some experiences with people like trying to squash your light like the minute they saw something I think, well, first before I go, I have sort of a little bit of a confusion with wounded. Is it the same? Could you say vulnerable or could you say open or is it specifically like wounded? Damaged. Damn it. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of imagining this like thing with an open wound and I, I always wonder that, right. Which like is being vulnerable and I'm trying to imagine like, am I, maybe I have this like what? arrogance of like, I'm not wounded. <laughs> <laughs> so the part okay. of you that said that is the one sitting yeah. on the wound. <laughs> in the wound and just like motherly protecting it right <laughs> yeah I know that one yeah. I've, had, I've had experience with that one recently right. too yeah. I know Jacqueline knows oh, yeah we all have I have too that's why I can deal with it so, yeah. right takes one and no one I know yeah. it's true okay alright so I should I should so you're not alone in that I should be able to digest the word but I I'll think so while being so I think there's a difference between uh, and that's a really great question I think there's a difference between like having that wound and being wounded and being vulnerable like being wounded does make you vulnerable but I think a lot of times the the sort of paradox is we're afraid it's the being like actively proactively being vulnerable that helps heal the wound does that make sense yeah 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 yeah. So, really and the wounds are going to happen. Like it's a crowded planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even with the best of intentions at all times, like we're going to bump into each other. We're going to knock each other down. We're going to stick an elbow in an eye. Do you know what right. I mean? Like it, wounds just come as part of living. But then part of that, that like the biggest part of the alchemy then is not allowing that wound to, um, cause I, well, fester, and we use the wounds. I mean, you need some kind of protection, right? When you have a wound, like think about what you do for like a physical wound, 
Like, you need to get it cleaned out. You need to put some kind of protection so things don't get into it. So it can self-heal kind of thing. Exactly. Right. But if you think about what that protection looks like, most of the time, it's going to be a very flexible thing that comes off eventually. Yep. Right, and even comes off before you want it to sometimes, right? <laughs> um, with the exception of like broken bones, and then you have a cast, but still that has to come off too. You right. don't keep that on. Oh my gosh, I have to interrupt. There's another really weird thing that I noticed when I kept tearing like ligaments and doing stuff, like I've torn my ACL. Oh, Speaking okay. of which, trying to compete in a co ed team. <laughs> I am equal! You know, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I noticed that like with my foot tears, um, they actually, like all the research that I did was that. If you contain it too much, it won't heal. Right. So it was that I just wanted to throw that in. Of like, uh, actually, if you keep something some still, mo- even some broken bone, like mm-hmm. at certain points, you actually need the other muscles and ligaments to remain strong around it, and they won't remain strong if you keep it in a cast. Yeah, exactly. Right. They need to keep going, and then you, it's like we kind of have a little bit of a skewed. I mean, not to go on a medical rant, but there, I think there's a lot of antiquated ways of thinking about how things heal now because there's still, if you can find a way to protect something. And then still allow it its freedom and its movement. That's how to self heal. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that's reflective in the ways that we handle emotional wounds too, right? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. uh, there was a really good article not too long ago um, about um, like giving trigger warnings in college classrooms, right? So, and it's kind of the same idea, trigger warnings. Like if you're going to be... Was it like the dog button? Yeah, so (laughs) trigger warnings are like, if you're going to be... working with some uh work that discusses rape or abuse oh, or okay. right something that could trigger a past trauma for someone okay. um and so it's the same like the idea that we need that people need to avoid things that will trigger them oh, yeah. is this mm. is emotionally the same idea right yeah. like no 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 you can't get close you I can't get close yep. and yeah. my my experience and there's lots of research to back this up too but my experience has been the way to heal it is to keep hitting the trigger until it, it doesn't hit until it's defused. Absolutely. Right. So Otherwise, it becomes so... I choose to hit the trigger for the people. Right. right. <laughs> trigger. Trigger. Yeah. Well, something some that I... <laughs> yeah, I used to say that in Holland all the time. Knopje is a button, and druk means push, right? So you're like, knopje, druk. Like, we did it to each other all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so something that I've been realizing um, lately is that a lot of... Um, sort of rediscovering who I am or getting to that essence is really about peeling back the layers of all of the layers of protection that have yeah. been built up over the years, right? Because it's like something happens to you, you get wounded, you know, emotionally you build up this wall of, oh, I'm never going to do that again. I'm right. never going to whatever. All these decisions, right. these bad decisions this, we make in know? that grief. Yeah, and then, totally. So there's all this, these responses that come from a place of wanting to defend yourself and protect yourself from those kind of things. Right. Um, but then eventually you get so much armor on that your light is blocked from the world, you know, you can't move well, you're just sort of bumbling through life because yeah. you've got all this armor yeah. on. And so I'm like, okay, I need to start peeling that stuff back. And of course there's like layers and layers of it that have built up over the years. It's sort of so. like a, like getting a base tan for each of the layers or something. <laughs> like, you know, like in the beginning, maybe like a layer is putting on like the seventies pure zinc offside. <laughs> and then like eventually now you have like a little bit of a tan so you can take off some of the layers. Yeah. We mentioned this in LA. I actually think it's a predatory environment. Like LA is a predator oh, really? in that. I mean, it just in the way that it is for me, I guess my chemical balance with it 
I've always been tough around cities though. Cause I grew up in like five acres with alpacas and cities <laughs> are sort of like, Ugh. but I do thrive. Like I'm, I'm perfectly happy in them. I can handle them, but I do notice that when I leave my little perfected sanctuary of my house with my kitty and my piano and my white walls and my clarity, um, I have to put on like the heaviest black armor to go through LA's environment. I mean, just from getting in the car or doing anything. And then I was telling her yesterday, I was thinking, it's actually like when I get back and I start peeling it off, I notice that some of them, it's like, it's permanently burned to my skin. Mm. It's like, it's actually wounded. And I feel like, um, mm. I'm like, I'm like peeling it off and I see like black, um, like, yeah, like pieces of plastic, whatever. like that's oh, just yeah. like like burned from. I don't know why the armor's plastic. It's like, metaphorical. It's like a oh, cheap okay, armor. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. like a really good. Right. Have, you, have you experimented it's a Walmart with armor? <laughs> like they sell it. <laughs> have you experimented with other different kinds of armors, <laughs> know, right? though? Well, I'm thinking because I use like a rose quartz around my energy, <laughs> oh, really? right? So, and the rose quartz is really loving and healing. That could so be good. That way, that's it can like filter things that come through, but then it also can help me heal within right. the bubble, right? Keep your strength and not like make a little like wafer of a human being under this hefty armor. Yeah, totally. Cuz black and black plastic Walmart armor. That's exactly. I don't know why I'm describing yeah, it. Yeah, no, it makes total like. sense. I know I can it's, get it. I hate yeah. to say it, but LA's very tacky in every single decision that they are making with things. So it's like you could I always you could also walk so. around a disco ball. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, but see, I am like so yuppie snob that like I just can't. I'm like, well, the plastic armor is a good deal. I guess it's black, you know. It's like, plastic. <laughs> it's like I can't. Just always, like I'd have to be a little more courageous, almost. But. Yeah. I don't have that. I always wish I had the Gaga. But you could like totally that. try different kinds of um, shielding. So there's there's the shielding of your energy, and this yeah. is one of the things that's really interesting too. Like I think a lot of times we build up our armor because we're afraid to really establish our boundaries, or at least that was my case, right? So I had this really, really thick armor on because I was too afraid to, first of all, figure out what I really, really needed because if I state what I need and I don't get it, then what happens, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I had to figure out what I needed, and then I had to articulate what I needed to other people, and then I had to do something about it if they didn't maintain boundaries or whatever, yeah. right? So there's all this emotional work that goes into establishing our boundaries, mm-hmm. but if we've got really good boundaries, then we don't need as much armor in the first place. And then, oh God. like, shielding with... So much work. <laughs> the but, boundaries? You know, I mean, it's... I have to say no? <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> then what would I do with all my rage? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for gasoline here to fuel music. So it's- <laughs> and then there's like there's the shielding that you put on your on your sort of energy field, right? That goes out a little bit, so it's and you can give yourself more room with that. So it's kind of like the um, the Da Vinci drawing, right, with the oh, man yeah. in the circle oh, yeah. or whatever. So. Um, so that kind of shields your energy to make stuff sure that stuff doesn't come in. And then you can have like armor on your skin, but it's, like you're experiencing, it's not something that you want to have yeah. all the time, but you can use different elements. So like here in Phoenix in the summertime, like imagining that I have water as an armor, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Also kind of helps me feel a little cooler. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. So this water, like... It's constantly washing things off if something tries to stick to me. Yeah. Right? Or it And could, water's supposed to be the most powerful too, right? It's not fire. It's not like 
Yeah. Well, when I go far, into my I mean, story, they, it's they all fire. have their right. They all have their spaces, right? But so you can have a fire armor. Sometimes there's places where you need the fire. You can have wind. Are you telling me to be the little, so the horse fly. Just, <laughs> yeah, the fire we have so many good stories here. <laughs> So, um, so there's different things that you can, you can do to like take that up if you, and so that's something you just imagine. Right. So like taking some time in the morning to, um, like get grounded and centered and anchored. Right. So like really good, deep body breaths and, um, and imagining that breath sort of continuing out through the bottom of your spine and the bottom of your feet, kind of going down to the earth to ground you to where you are, and then just breathing up in, and then breathe back up. So I imagine I become a tree, right? So I've got these roots that are going down into the earth and these branches that go up to the sky to connect both of those spaces. Mm-hmm. And then just, right, like really focusing on the breath going in between. So that's that's centering, grounding, and anchoring, right? So mm-hmm. that in and of itself is a cleansing ritual, right? The the earth makes flowers with crap every single day, right? Literally. The right, exactly. Right. The yeah. earth is really good at that. So like <laughs> connecting down and grounding into that is a really great way to release the stuff that we don't really know what to do with, right? Um, and then for me, having come from this uh, abusive background and not getting um, the support and care that I needed coming up, like tapping into the way that the earth is always supporting us, yeah. right? There's a way to help heal those wounds and feel really safe and supported and taken care of. And right, there's all this air for me to breathe and water for me to drink and food and right, like everything that I need the earth is providing, right? Like phys- all my physical needs are being taken care of there. So, so that's like starting out that way. And then it's like, once I, once I become this sort of tree and can feel that energy just sort of moving back and forth, then I imagine, right. The, this rose quartz kind of going like, like over all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and the rose quartz, you can, you can like in your mind, just calibrate. Like if you're, like, okay, I want things to be, I, I don't want to hear or feel anything going on out there today. Do <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't have it. So you can shut everything off, like close the blinds, right? Or you can shift it to a filter so that you Some can stuff. see what's going on, but you're getting like the most compassionate interpretation of that or whatever. So that mm-hmm. that is how it informs how you're responding to people, right? So, um, and then if there's people floating around and there, there is, there's stuff out there floating around looking for snacks, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. if you're protected that way, then you just don't, you see things happening, but it doesn't like hook you. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We had this yesterday. I threw in the horse fly. We were mentioning, I'm just a very receptive person. And especially I just realized now what I do before my ritual, before I play music is to get completely naked, you know, like take off all of the armor and all the skin. So um, I mean, it's not literally. I mean, that would be weird. And some of the venues, although it would probably get me more ticket sales. But it's, I notice now because I get, I mean, anybody who's like my best friend or, or near me before, before, they're, before, they're, before they're, they're like, oh, yeah, here and I think like before shows because I'm so vulnerable. Anything is like any slight poke to any of my buttons. Mm. I can't remember the cool little phrase that you had, yeah. but um, it'll, I'll just like react incredibly like, Burr! so this happened at this venue. It was basically, I realized that uh, somebody had said something and then I approached the whole concert with this 
thing, my reaction to what this person said. And I ended up not being, um, it was just something that was kind of demeaning and I have massive like feminist stuff. It was an old stodgy. We have these typical LA venue owners who are very, very like old wannabe guys that just, I don't know why it's like the total opposite of me and all of my dreams and all of my hopes and all of my (laughs) excitement for humanity. If you were to take all of that away, it's not like, you know, it's not some like little possum or something. It's like that guy, that guy who like wishes, Hey honey, come on in. Yeah. And I've written so many like songs and, and especially one that I was thinking about doing for you guys. But yeah, so I had to kind of realized then after my show that I had approached all of these other people at the show with this energy response to that guy. And it was really depressing because I thought, I mean, it was, it was a fine As show. though they were all him kind of thing. Yeah. I yeah. had this, I had this energy that was still fighting back at him and she just said the most beautiful thing, which was like, you know, let him just be a horse fly to an elephant. Like the elephant is not really just let it you know, don't let it. And I've always, since I've been a kid, let things affect me way more than they should. And I've kind of liked it because again, it's given me creative, you know, yeah. not to throw in John Mayer here. Cause I know <laughs> people have many opinions, but he had a really great statement that was like, he's sort of, um, you know, self-inflicting with like stuff. He's like, Oh yeah, go into this relationship because it's going to get you a really good song. I know this is going to be a terrible oh, relationship. God. It's going to get me a great song. Out of it. But oh, you do God. have that personality where you're like, <laughs> I want to go into something that's really not great for me because I want to learn from it. And I've never necessarily been like a, my experience is that life will learn. give you enough of that. I know. Without, like, so going looking, looking for it. I don't know like, what, and I don't usually, but it's almost like, I wait for it to come to me, and then I'm like, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think there's a little bit of aggressive you know, nature that I should work on taming. But, and also, no, I use it, especially like for comedy. I've noticed I have to add a lot of, you know, to make your performance interesting. It doesn't, I mean, I have massive, interesting uh, incorporations of classical music and everything else. But, you know, if you're talking to people who don't give a crap about classical music or anything else, you're like... Or they don't even have, you know, they watch American Idol and they don't have, like, a sense of, like, a good ear. Um, I've just been like, hey, well, why not throw in everything? And so I throw in comedy, too. And um, in order for me to be sort of comedic, I have to have a little bit of an angst. And actually, in order for me to be a very, very good performer, there's a little angst needed, too. So I do think that there's some weirdness there. Else you yeah. Address. No, there's like, a lot going on. As the elephant, I don't know if I would produce the same art and I think that's what my fear is. Maybe that's the main fear there. I now that, that we're talking it again, <laughs> we're coming to different conclusions. <laughs> no, and I think, but I think I love Can that bring you're up coming Chelsea to that. Like, yeah, go, yeah, sure. Yeah, we not? have to. Yeah, like, but I, I, I love because I think um, the ego tells us that a lot, right? Like. If we're not suffering, we won't yep. be able to we won't be create. Beautiful either. Yeah, we won't be able You'll to create be beautiful, beautiful art. Suffering. It won't be worth anything. Like, and um, and Elizabeth Gilbert touches on this in Big Magic when she's talking about that trickster versus martyr energy, mm-hmm. right? And how the martyrs have like kidnapped creativity. Oh yeah, and we've now set up this like cultural narrative that you have to be suffering to produce art, right? And mm-hmm. like, okay, so. So we've we've tried that, yeah. <laughs> and we've lost a lot of our amazing artists yeah. to that. 
And so, um, but we still perpetuate it with branding and everything else. It's a ma- we have to, it's like we find we fabricate stories about kids, like how hard was Justin Bieber's life? Right, and it was yeah. so hard, you know. <laughs> it was like you're like, come the frig on, like yeah. you're always trying to spell. You know, Macklemore went through a drug phase. You're like, dude, he went to Garfield. Like that school made my high school look like it was like. I don't know, some sort of cultish crate. I, I went to a kind of a weird rural high school. But we always <laughs> used to compete with Garfield. Garfield was like, all the kids would show up in ties and be this like... Well, they're the ones that have the, the hardest drug addiction problems a lot of times, too. I know. Like parents think like, oh, no, we live in the suburbs. We're safe from that. Like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But it's just but I, around. Right, no, totally. Right, yeah. Well, I, And I wonder, but I wonder, though, like, so when you talk about this, that edge that we need for the creativity, right? Like, I totally get that. I think... A big part of creativity and what makes creativity sacred as well, right, is walking that edge and, but isn't like... Jumping into it. Isn't like calling in the shadow and bringing, like finding a way to embrace the shadow, that transformation, that alchemy, like isn't isn't that kind of the crux of real creativity? Right. And, and I don't know that we ha- we don't have to be in a destructive place no. to do that. Well, right? I think people confuse vulnerability with destructive. And maybe that's why it was good to talk about the wound versus the vulnerable versus like, you don't have to continue to inflict wounds in order to get creativity. You just have to like, well, I think, I think just a, remembering the past wounds gives me plenty of, uh, <laughs> I know true. my art. I've got, <laughs> I've got plenty of stuff to write about and, <laughs> you know, just in the first 30 yeah. years. So, um, uh, totally. yeah. When you I, run out of that, just go to a past life regression. It'll start all over again. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll just watch the news. I realize like, that's a reason for me to start watching the news again. If I ever get like, oh, I can't have any ideas. Like, no, just oh, go on Or Facebook. actually, you know what? I started watching Game of Thrones again. And we just so, finished the season and last so night. I, um, you have to be careful not to give any spoilers. Yeah, anyway. so, well, yeah. And I just barely started season two, so I'm like... <laughs> oh, you're behind. way in the beginning. Right, because okay, okay. I had stopped after season one because it was just so dark and just yeah, people yeah. being horrible to each other. And I was like, toxic I'm done with this. Very toxic. To and yeah, yeah. and so I, I was... But then I was like, but you know what? There may be stuff there that... Because it triggers me and because sure. it, like, upsets me that that can be a fuel for something in mm. my creativity. So, um, so that's why I started watching it. And, and I was just this, I even just, I, it was just like the first two episodes of season two. I was just like, there is an obnoxious amount of sex in this. Yes. And not, and not, it's all horrible. It's all demeaning. It's yeah. all demeaning yeah. stuff. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> right, none of the people having sex actually like each other. No. Like, no, 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 it's right. all in this most degrading way. But I mean, way, why would they? <laughs> <laughs> why would you need no, that? That's true. I don't understand. No, it's really true. Like, the sacred sex is not happening on camera at all. Yeah. Because there are characters that do really love each other, but... Um, but you don't see that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. not happening on camera. <laughs> no, it's why. really. Why are we interested in watching like the dysfunctional sexual? Yeah, part? no, it's, it's really true. Work. Yeah, there's well, and that's just like. But I think that's one of the things that's powerful about Game of Thrones is that, um, and by the time you get through this, this <laughs> last season, um, what I found interesting from because the beginning of season one, I guess it was, I I was getting to this place where I was like, okay, I'm not even going to do this anymore. But it's watching Daenerys develop Mm -hmm. and you start to see throughout the show it's this emergence of female 
power and leadership. And you have to see how toxic and dark the world they're in already is to fully appreciate Mm -hmm. what it really means for the women to come stand in their power. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and to say, we're not going to do it this way anymore. Right. This is the way it's always been done. And, and, (laughs) <laughs> here's where we are because of it. So let's not do it that way anymore. Do what was the mean? power quote again that you had yesterday? I loved the weakness is in um, trying to dominate power. Yeah. Choices. So power over, right. is actually, and when most people think of power, they think of power over and yeah. that's trying to dominate someone. And, and that's coming from weakness, mm-hmm. right? If you, mm-hmm. if, if you, you are, know your position is weak, then you try to dominate, dominate other someone others. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause if you're in your own power and you're doing power with, then if I'm standing in my power, then your power doesn't intimidate me. Yeah. Right. Like, and your power doesn't intimidate me. So I don't feel any need to dominate you to assert, to assert my own power. Yeah. Um, because I'm already in my power. You've got all the power you need. Right. I'm I'm already in my power. Like, yeah. Like if you're charging your phone, you only have one, one thing to stick the outlet in. So why would I like take your things away and try? Like, I can't, you know, like Like, this is a Samsung. What the heck? (laughs) So if I'm in my power already, I don't need, I don't need to, I don't need to pull your cord out and do anything with it. Cause I've already got my source. Right. So, um, yeah, so that power over, which is what most of us think of when we think of power, right. is actually weakness, right? And getting to a space, and that's like, we want to create the community of people that recognize that and help each other practice that uh, every day. Um, and I feel like once we get to that tipping point, right, of people that understand, like really understand that yeah. and recognize it in others, then, you know, then, then we're going to see lots of things kind of shift, right? Like the stuff that politically, that pol- right? Like the stuff politicians do, they do it because we respond. The stuff the media does, they do it because we respond. Yeah. So they do it because it works. Right. Right. So when it quits yeah. working, they'll stop doing it. Right. Yeah. So that's on us. We need to quit feeding into that and 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 work to to <laughs> shift it. Right. That's right? for everything. Yes. It's for what you buy and. Where you put your money and everything else. Totally. Where you eat. Think about where you... Even if you don't... I mean, all these people think they don't have, you know, something that's like, oh, you know, I'm only, like, whatever, lower class or something. It's like anything. Where you're putting your money is still important. If you can still go to the small natural food store. (laughs) Yeah. And just eat a little bit less. Yeah. Go to Whole Pages. So many different things that you can do. Shop at Goodwill, even when you don't have to. (laughs) For example. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So you said you wanted to do a song for us. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be hard without the mic. I'm thinking I might just play really light on the piano. Because I sing, if you've noticed, (laughs) I sing in this ring. (laughs) I should probably move move over so I can see you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll shift this guy. But I wrote this sexually. Maybe there's people watching. (laughs) Oh, right on. They're all like... (laughs) They just die off right now. (laughs) (laughs) So this is called Falling Star. And the Falling Star is supposed to be the predator. (laughs) 
there's a falling star everywhere that you are. But it doesn't mean that when you fall behind, you can follow mine. The television's running when you watch it fall. So I be here at as a percentage of yourself in you is below the truth. It's all your fault. So don't steal my flaws. In your mind, you have failed wasting ways to spend your days. And the bad times outrule the good. As you convince yourself it's the way it should. You don't have to look far And backwards you go As I say no The radio is winning It's tempting, I know But you're first in line to go Oh, your innovative beauty is there Deep somewhere And it's all your fault So don't steal my flaws Oh, no Sitting on the edge of your seat, waiting for me to break down. What? No, you got on a wait now. Well, get in line and gather a little words to yourself. You better prepare to clear the air, because you know I'm not going to help. And I felt the weight when I was much younger. So your negative disposition is not such a bummer. We can validate your words so you don't steal my thunder. But turn the mirror and you say you have to escape from your slumber. Convince yourself it's the way it should. Nice. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Move this back over and I'll get the thing back on us again. Yeah, All right, better. so like... Yeah, give us a little background on that. Yeah, I'm try- I was trying to think, like, sometimes I'm in the middle of a song and I'm like, I want to pause and just explain the lyrics. Especially <laughs> if we were talking about something. But Yeah, actually, that was, um, I had a very early experience of, you know, I should get over this too. I have like this, oh, like, oh, don't complain about it, you know, <laughs> thing. But I'm going to have to open up a little bit to it now. But um, my high school band teacher, which I hope uh, could ever see this one in general, um, this podcast. Uh, he was like the most insecure person to have around high school kids that you should have had. You know, he mm-hmm. was a pretty normal, insecure person, but like, I think high school and below are very impressionable years. Mm-hmm. And it's so wrong to have somebody lead. I mean, you're leading kids, especially as a band director, you're leading kids. And so we got to jazz band every morning. We had to be prepared and in our seats at 6.30 every morning. And it was like, you know, I really love jazz, so I always wanted to do it. And I don't know what it was, um, why he had it out for me. I had this, you know, very, I've always, I don't know what it is. I think insecure men plus my 
you know, maybe weak dominating behavior has always made them go like, and like, they definitely try to fight my, my response to them with the most like weak dominating thing. So he put down a lot of, I mean, even after I left, um, he was no better to the women that took my place. And I think just in general, um, I don't know. I think he just had a really big issue with my, I would come, he had like a few comments that he would say to our group. Um, he would say something like it's warranted for people to be arrogant if they're talented. And he was talking about our first chair, um, saxophone, uh, our tenor player. (laughs) It was was actually a fine player. It was, you know, not doing much with his music now as far as I know, but, um, he was, he was a fine player, but this, he, he was a very sweet kid and I Mm -hmm. was very encouraging of him to remain sweet and humble, not arrogant and jerky like our freaking band director. Yeah. And, um, when he said this, he was like, he totally, he added this, this open thing of just like, you know, and he just said it, he just said it in the whole class is silent. It's the teacher. You're supposed to be silent or else you're going to get a D. Right. And I was like, "Mm, fuck no. Like, hell no, this is not okay. So I'm sitting there right there and I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was like, you know what? You're 15 and 35 and pissed off. And I just like, I've never had that capability to say, if somebody is speaking something, and I think my mom just really taught me that. Like, and I mean, it'd be different if it was something like that was kind of like you could be, it could interpret a different way. But I was like, there's no way to interpret this. You are absolutely preaching to these young people that arrogance in any form is like a form of strength that it's, you know, in this, and it's like you, I mean, not only do you not have the right to be standing in front of kids and saying this to them, but you just, you need to go work out your own stuff, like on your own and (laughs) then think about what to say. And I mean, I, I did, his personality was, was helpful. It introduced me to earth, wind and fire and everything else. But that one trait of his was really bad. And he would, you know, he made fun of like my physical appearance when I was in high school. He Mm. would just, because I stood up to him in that moment and I I challenged him for like four minutes and it was silence of just the (laughs) class and like me just challenging this like twice my age guy, which seems to happen a lot after that. It's like I searched it out. (laughs) And you know, but I look back on it and I think like, that is so pathetic that you were, um, that, that, that actually, that interaction went back, that we had a fight in front of the school. Like if I have to fight with a child, like a a young person, you know, something's wrong. Like it's sort of like the pick on people, your own age thing. And I've been looking at this a lot lately. of like just kind of stepping out of body and realizing how many people, even now, you know, I'm late twenties, but I'm not, I'm not a kid. And I know I don't give off the kid vibe. But I think it's weird that people can respond to me this way that are like in their 40s and 50s and think that's appropriate to do to like, especially um, older men have said things to me when I was like 21 and 22. And when I like have had this out of body thing, like, how can you say that to a young, young woman, young person? Like, do you not understand like the age difference of what you are um like I just because their like, age puts them in a myself. Of like I just don't imagine and, being yeah. a fifty-year-old person of who I am in my mind, thinking it's appropriate for me to put down an eighteen-year-old or a twenty-year-old. Like I just like you take care of our children. I think I don't know. I think that's what's wrong with our nation now too, because we're not really we don't have this. I actually think there was something nice about the elders and like the growth of a human. Like I don't know, uh, like how we how we moved forward in life, we actually, we grew and then we learned to take care of things. And maybe it's because we're having 
like some, I don't know, we're having some sort of yeah. problems. But I, and like, you know, Donald Trump, how much younger is his wife? I just think it's really difficult to have, we're sort of, we're losing our age gap, which is nice in some ways because, you know, I'm dating an older man, but it's not nice in other ways because we've lost the taking care of our younger people thing. And I think we don't have to like too. fight with right. Oh, we yeah, definitely totally lost that. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the things and um, that's one of the reasons that I really like my, my sacred arts teachers because she spends a lot of time with working with the ancestors or those who have come before, right? And she also talks quite a bit about those who will come after, right? The descendants. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you have children, right? So we're both moms, so it's easy for us to think about those that are coming after because um, hopefully we'll be alive to see them. Um, So, uh, but even if you don't have kids, we're still... um, we're going to be handing this world over to those that will come after. Right. And that idea of those who come after is, um, it's something that's really hard for a lot of people to, to understand. We've got people saying Are they things. leaving comments? Yeah, yeah. people are leaving okay, comments. Okay, so you're on like on the, I'm like, sorry what? if I pissed off anybody. <laughs> I can't see I know, the comments. Like, we can't, like, <laughs> it's on like my phone because we couldn't figure out how to do it on the on the laptop. So um, so sorry that we can't like we, we should be coming. Hi from Santa Monica. Yeah. Hi Michael. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but yeah, that, that even for, for sacred artists and people that are, that have a very defined ancestor practice, right? It's still hard for people to conceive of those who come after. Right. Right. So it's really interesting, isn't it? And I think it's, um, it's really ironic actually that now the elder generation are basically the baby boomers, right? And it was their generation that really cut the idea of the elders, actually. It was their generation uh-huh. that was like, oh, what do you know, old man? Like, young is the way to go, right? right. So- well, and what's funny is they still don't think they're old. No. Like if you well, look I don't think I'm old. Until <laughs> I just think it's funny. I think it's hilarious right. to watch the baby boomers like moving into that elderly oh, stage <laughs> and go, "Oh, you think you're all a bunch of young hippies?" No, <laughs> I still love it. I'm sorry. Like, as the oldest person oh, okay. here, thank you very much. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I think it's I awesome think it because it means <laughs> because it means my reading glasses are really really cool. I have beautiful <laughs> orthopedic shoes now. Like I, I love what the baby boomers are doing to aging i just have to say like thank you right um, how do we find this balance between so then you also have a lot of baby boomers which i hear are the ones perpetuating a lot of um you know plastic surgery stuff right i think right. i mean i just know that, that from my mom young, which i'm sorry if she hears this but like she's got so many friends and they're sort of putting that pressure on of like we've all got our heart. eyes done and i'm like what the fuck i'm <laughs> so not into that kind of stuff but to yeah. have that kind of the peer pressure of the female baby that boomers. That makes me sad. Oh, yeah. me too. And I'm so against that, that like not feeling your age and living your age. Yeah. So I think although they're like the young, they have a little bit of a, maybe just particularly with the women because they're still part of the generation where being attractive was so important. And, and now they're like, they're kind of fighting. So there's a little bit of a competition with right. fighting know, the age, which is what I got in that, from that band yeah. teacher thing. It was like, yeah. it was a competitive move. And I don't know why, I just don't understand why you would compete and I guess it comes back to everything that we talked about, which is why am I? I mean, maybe I should get over the age thing. Why would I even compete with the loser venue, dude? Screw right. that. Yeah. Be your freaking elephant, no matter what age you are, right? Mm-hmm. And just don't. You don't need to. Like, why would you want to look like a twenty-year-old when you're yeah. like lovely and you've gained yeah. all of this wisdom and you're fifty? And it's yeah. like, 
why would you want to just say, screw yeah. you, wisdom. <laughs> I want to pretend I have nothing in my head. Again. <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> yeah. No, and that's totally how I see it. So like growing up as a woman in the South, right. Where it's like, uh, well, I mean, talk about any like strong female energy being yeah. tamped down. Oh, dude. God. Like, I think that's probably part of the reason that my energy is so strong because my whole life people were like trying to do this to me. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? So, right. um, so, but it's that, um, uh, oh, I just lost it. Crud. No. Oh, I have something while you're thinking okay. about it. So, um, so, uh, speaking, I guess the opposite kind of high school teacher. So, um, mm. so I remember, so my math teacher once would sometimes, he was great. The best teachers were the ones who would like go off on these topics about life that had like absolutely nothing to do with the subject they were teaching. Right. And like, and one time, Mr. Um, Van Eyck in uh, history was like yeah, that. Mr. Yeah. Carroll, our math teacher was like, um, we were talking Our? about no mine. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Mine. No, I was like, you no, guys no, haven't no. known each other. No, um, <laughs> that's a miracle. No, my, my <laughs> math teacher was. Uh, I think in terms of hour and we a lot. I don't know. That's, um, that's, and, that's good. Well, <laughs> yeah. So one time, make a T-shirt that says he, that. You know, I guess one of the other kids asked him. They're like, Mr. Carroll, would you want to be our age again? And he's like. If I could be your age, if I could be a teenager and be young and spry and all this, but still know everything that I know now, then absolutely. But if I had to lose all the wisdom that I'm gained, no way. Well, but if you knew what you knew, and then you had to be around teenagers, like, that has to be a definition. That's what I am. I'm an old man in a young woman's body. It's so irritating. It sucks. I can't hang up with anybody my age. I like that. I like that. No, it's so true. Like, it's that feeling of, like, you know, like, God, I can't be 45. Like, I feel like I'm 20. And then you spend time with 20-year-olds, you're like, oh, no, I'm 45. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I start wearing my glasses like this, you know, like know. just to let them know I'm 45. I'm not as young as I look, you know. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But that thing on aging came back around. That thing on aging, growing up in the South, all these people that had this attitude, like anytime there was this strong, the strength that came up as a woman, like, no, you need to be in your place. You need to be in your place. And then designing women was popular in the eighties. Right. So like growing up watching, uh, and I guess I was, I was in high school, I guess. I'm like watching Dixie Carter just like rip people you know and I was like dude I cannot wait to be old enough to be able to speak truth to power like that yeah and people not be like listen young whippersnapper who do you think you are right like they'd be like be old enough to be able to say stuff like totally I had a a boss I loved her at a at a previous job she was our office manager Mary and um uh, and she used to say, like, oh, no, I'm too old to put up with that. Like, I'm not totally. Like, it was, so, it was no, so it's great. glorious. Yeah. It really is. And so I don't, I also don't understand wanting to give that up, right? Yeah. Like, I'm just really not, I don't, and I talk about, like, you know, you can still see, like, the little Barbies that still have, like, the, the dents on their arms from being tied in the box because they just oh. came out of the box, you know? Like, God, isn't like that interesting as concept? you, like, move through life, right? Like, I've been out of the box for a while. So, so I, so I have wrinkles and I have droopy skin and I have, you know what I mean? Like, I saw this video about, um, 
uh, barbecues, and this guy was saying that all the good recipes like live right here. Nice. <laughs> and then he's like, That's "Man, awesome. I don't, I don't want to eat food from anybody that doesn't have upper arm fat. Man, all the good <laughs> recipes live right there." And that was like street cred, right here, street cred. So, <laughs> That's freaking awesome. Totally. Oh my god. So you know, like I just think like there's so many beautiful things that come with that. Like there's no way I would want to go back to the space where I felt like my body was the only thing that I had to offer and that yeah. that was the measure of my worth and 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 it's really like this and I remember in my early 20s listening to Oprah and Maya talk yeah. about aging, right? And they were talking about, like, as you're moving through each of these decades doors, that there's just a little bit more peace that comes. Yeah. And a little more mm-hmm. so more solidity that comes. And a little more grace that comes. And, and then, of course, there's a tremendous amount of power that comes with each of that. And there, so, so if, if, being, if having that grace, having that sense of... Of, of being the strength and, and grace of, an, of the elephant, right? And not being bothered by the gadfly that's rushing furiously, right? Like, if that's just an ear flap or a tail flap, yeah. like, like, why you know, would I yeah, want to yeah. go back? If, if these are the, the prices that I pay... By the way, she doesn't even sense. have any of those. <laughs> yeah, any wrinkles. You should all know. She's like... But I do have the recipe is. street cred. I totally have the recipe street cred. <laughs> Which, as we've learned, is a really, really good thing. God, yeah, barbecue. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it just, um, so and I think, like, getting to that space, like, if we see, if we see, and, and that's one of the things, too, like, as people get older, you see the life that they've lived, right? So if they've spent, like, each of our wrinkles oh, is yeah. however many la- nights of laughter, yeah, how many nights of, of tears of joy and, and pain and grief for those that we love, like, that's... That's our sort of tally mark from these amazing yeah. experiences that we've mm-hmm. had. And it, I, I really don't understand people wanting to wipe that away. Right. right? Like, mm-hmm. it just... And if we recognize that... And one of the things I had noticed, too, in my early 20s, like, when the Dove first started doing their campaign um, for just, like, simple beauty or whatever, right? Right. And I had noticed that the women that I knew that looked amazing... Didn't you're like, oh my god, your face looks fantastic. What do you do? And they're like, um, don't use I, I wash my face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I put on cream and then yeah. I go to bed. Like yeah. they don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I noticed, like, wow, the people that age really well tend to be, it seems like the ones that don't worry about the ones aging. that don't worry about aging. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, so the aging people have all these like freaking stress, like well, uh, think about uh, what think about the face you make when you're looking for wrinkles in the mirror. You're like, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, all my wrinkles I've discovered right? like, are, are where they're where um, if I smile yeah, like yeah. that, mm-hmm. they kind of go away because it's just the it's just the it's smile just the lines, smile right? Us. It's yeah. the natural creases and yeah. stuff. And and uh, I've had people um, now that I have a teenager, so my sons are thirteen and ten, oh, and so now lot like and if I tell people, they're like, "How old are your kids?" And I'm like, 10 and thirteen," and they're like you don't look old enough to have a teenager. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They're like, what do you do for your face? And I'm like, 
You should just I make up it. make up some really long things. <laughs> I should, like I, I go right to Stonehenge three times a month, and I meditate on each of the rocks individually. I, I touch them all eight times. I come back, <laughs> and then I only drink water. Oh my god! Oh, smoke yeah. two packs of cigarettes a day right. and drink really good vodka. Right. Like, <laughs> then I throw it all up. <laughs> Something absolutely ridiculous. Oh, like, it's also your general secret, right? right? Yeah. Throwing up all your meals. Oh god! <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my. <laughs> Wow, so okay. we're already in an hour and 20 minutes. I know, minutes, and so I think live is going to cut us off in an hour and a half anyway. So, okay, yeah, cool, we've cool. had like an extra special long um, podcast today, but this is a lot of fun, and I hope that you guys had fun with us. And um, what else? Do, do we, announcements? Do we, um, I don't know if we have announcements, um, but we could recap with kind of just sort of takeaways. Like we've got our creation station, that's true. Yeah what, yeah, what do you recommend as far as, you know, kind of what people can do to... Um, let's see, what do we talk about? So we talked Elephant. a lot about shielding and grounding. <laughs> right, yeah. So we talked yeah. a lot about, we talked a lot today about predator energies and um, and not letting that, like, sort of take over, right? Yeah. Like, um, how we're responding to things in our creative life. And a, a, a great pre, pre, proactive way to do that then is to have a regular practice where you're centering, grounding, and anchoring. Um, and then when you do that, to imagine a shield over your energy that kind of protects you from that. Mm-hmm. If you're in spaces that are going to be a little more difficult, like a hockey game comes to mind, <laughs> then you probably will need like an additional form of um, of armor, right? That's like, like a long on, sleeve shirt, like a physical thing. Like no, like again, we're talking oh, about psychic okay. armor, right? right. So seventy um, SPF. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, and and you can. We talked about using different elements for that, right? So mm, if you're imagining right. uh, here in Phoenix in July, the idea of water. cool water going down my skin just sounds wonderful. So um, so that's my favorite summertime fashion uh, <laughs> psychic fashion is to carry the <laughs> a water a she water, was, she a water armor so um, yeah so it's just imagining that or, or when you get into a situation where you feel something's off a little bit mm-hmm. right um, then you can just imagine a little bubble going around you so that that mm-hmm. doesn't impact you but um, yeah so like looking for those predators and knowing that they're attracted to the wounded, the sacred, and the beautiful, and all of us are one or all of those things. And so um, just knowing that they're out there and defining our boundaries, doing the shielding, and doing regular cleansing exercises to, to get rid of that energy so that we don't don't let it stick to us and impact Can how we're putting things out. Can you give an example of a good cleansing ex- like a easy cleansing exercise. So the the grounding is is one way of cleansing, right? Like once you sort of imagine the roots um, going down, then just releasing whatever feels sticky yeah. and icky down those roots. Um, and you don't have to know what's causing it? No, you okay. really don't. Oh, and I, nice. I think sometimes, and this <laughs> is something that I realized actually uh, with one of my personal predators, is that um, that's one of the ways that they would hook me, right? Because predators want to they want to find a way to let to get you to let them in right and one of the distinctions in all this talk that we had in class one of the distinctions that i saw um, between predators and challengers for example is that predators are always trying to make you feel less than right whereas the challenger assumes your power 
and is challenging you. And we've spent a lot of time yeah. in this podcast yeah. talking about That's the great. difference between the persecutor and the challenger, right. whether you're in the victim triangle or the creator yeah. triangle. And so that's something the persecutor will do is they'll... Um, if you push back and say, no, that's not okay or something, they'll see like, well, well, tell me why. Like they require a logical reason of why you're not happy with whatever. It can be. Sometimes people, depending on like Myers-Briggs style, some people with a T preference, a thinking preference, they, they want to know why, right? They do like Mm -hmm. they, they need to understand why, but you you don't have to give them that if you don't want to. It really right. depends on the relationship, right? So with Jason, for example, or with my son, I would explain to them why, right? right? But some some schmo at a venue, yeah. like, uh, well, it's, you know, just don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. too old for Right, that. exactly. No like, is a complete sentence. No is a complete right. sentence, yeah. totally. So, um, and, but that... But we don't necessarily have to understand why something is operating the way it is. And one of the things that I've noticed in my own experience is that once I just release, let it go, then the reason will come to me later. When oh, I've okay. let go of the need to know, because mm-hmm. that's an ego thing. The, the ego wants to, needing to know is a way of controlling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So when mm-hmm. I let go of the need to know, then a lot of times the universe just provides that answer for me anyway. Um, so just kind of trusting in that, um, cause it can be a way to get you into quicksand. Right. Right. So, um, so you can cleanse that. So that's one way to cleanse. And um, by the same kind of token, like if you're near ground that's clean, like not the ground where every dog is peed on it, but, you know, like near ground that's clean or sand or something like this, you could also like take a little sand in your hands and do like that and just kind of, even if you're not totally touching your skin, you can just like do like this to get rid of something right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But obviously taking nice, long, hot, baths right yeah. like that is mm-hmm. a that is a central like part salts. yes right. epsom salts and um like uh Celtic salt or, or I used to do that so salt. regularly. Yeah, those salts will pull the impurities out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so and and bathing, like taking a nice, good, sacred bath on the full and the new moon before you do something, is a really great way to mm-hmm. to have a regular cleanse too. So yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be really complicated, right? Going to like, like a hipster pool. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about going to an outdoor pool. Yeah, right. We're talking about going to the Clarendon Street here a little bit later, but um, but yeah, I think uh, hopefully that's uh, wrapping up the sort of a little bit of predator. And of course, jump into the the Facebook group to talk a little bit more about it. And um, and then we hope to see a lot of you tomorrow night at um, at the house concert here in Melrose to see. Kristen play from yeah. six to eight. It's going to be awesome, and then we're going to have like a potluck afterwards. the The annual making of the mole is for this, so the mole is made. It's mm-hmm. marrying in the fridge right now. And um, do we? Ha- I can't see anything it's there. Just some people saying hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. played painting in the dark. So, <laughs> so all right. So we're so glad you guys joined us. Well, and, thank um, you guys for having yeah, me too. I thought that awesome. was totally like a nice little. It was one of the more <laughs> you know you never have like interviews where people are actually. Really, really, really have something to say. To <laughs> and then what? And I know this wasn't all that, but this was very. It's always like I learn a lot from spending time with her. So. Very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys awesome. Next time. Bye.